is a lawless world. Podcasts fill the streets. There's only two men who bring order to the chaos. The Hardcasters. Hello and welcome to Hardcasters. Now, this is a very special episode of Hardcasters. It's the season finale. Ooh. Insert some sexy music there. Uh, um, yeah. Season finale of this this podcast that you all know and love, all three of you. Is that including uh, the two of us? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the season finale, um, which I'm quite excited about this one. Um, I don't know about you. Um, we have... Obviously, we're mainly looking at obscure and small little nuggets of action films. Now, this one's a strange one because it's a big budget action film. However, it's been kind of pushed back in its box a little mm. bit. Um, it is, of course, Last Boy Scout. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We've, you've made the error again. Oh, no. It's, you're close. I think we said we were going to do Last last Action Hero. Last Action Hero. Well, yeah. it's lucky because I, I, I've I boned up on that as well. Now, I don't know about you, Dom. Mm. But, That's me. Um, hello. Um, I'm going to pop this minstrel. I'm eating a minstrel, a chocolate. Um, but I don't know about you, but yeah. um, I, do, I think because it's slightly big budget and it's quite a popular action film in terms of it's a well-known one however mm. it's not very often revisited i don't think we go through the blow by blow of the plot what i'd quite like to do with this mm. is talk about the film that it could have been mm. and the changes i think this is a really good example of the uh, hollywood's too many cooks getting involved and the end product coming out like a, a flat flan as opposed to a beautiful cake um, yeah and I think we go through that. I think we pick out some of the nice moments that we both like because there are mm. there's some absolute zingers in here. Yeah. But I think we go through the film it could have been. I, I yeah, it's um it's a film that I uh, watched fairly recently. I think I mentioned this when we talked about Demolition Man because I, I watched it I think last summer. And what struck me is I mean it doesn't work, but the problem is that it there's bits of it that work amazingly, and there are bits where. I just genuinely felt like, oh my god, this is this is great, and other bits where it falls flat. And I think for me, the key is by trying to go the kind of magic ticket route and have a kid find his way into this magical world of action movies. The problem is, is that it can never be actually spoofing the kind of movies it wants to spoof because it never gets to the levels of violence or swearing no. that you would. So the film it wants to be. It can't be. It's actually spoofing big PG-13 action movies, which didn't aren't really a thing. And yet, hmm. it's not for the crowd, the E.T. crowd, about a kid lost in a magic world kind of thing. So it's for no one. Um, and that's its biggest problem. There are moments where you think, this is if this was just a straight action film, I'd be loving it. And part, and then what I kind of felt was, was, was that it's impossible. You can't do for action movies what Scream did for slasher films. Because if you have a killer who knows the, the conventions of action movies, well, then that wouldn't give the heroic characters the ability to leap through the air firing guns or whatever. Um, 
until I saw Demolition Man later the same week, and I thought, oh no, that's how you do it. You you have a person look back to a, an age of that kind of police strike. So I think it's a film that um, its own existence is its own problem, uh, which is a shame because there's some great stuff in it. There is. And I think when you watch it, it's clear that it's been made by about six different people or six <laughs> different people have had their ideas inputted into it <clears throat> and it's changed direction. Hmm. Now, originally, way back when, back in uh, Hollywood, um, I think it was one of the ones on the Hollywood blacklist, I believe. It got right. kind of auctioned off to, to various studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and originally it was entitled Extremely Violent. That was its working title as it went into production, as it got bought up. Now, <clears throat> it was wrote, oh, sorry, it was written. That was terrible grammar. I do apologise. That, that minstrel's <laughs> gone straight to my head. I know. Um, um, it was written um, by, originally by Zach Penn, who was he's kind of, he's quite big in Hollywood now. He's... Uh, he's uh, he wrote the screen uh, screenplay for Ready Play One, the adaption for Ready Play One. He's had uh, roles in the kind of Avengers films in the Marvel universe, uh, so he's quite um, he's still quite well known. Um, and it was a um, another writer, uh, Adam Leff, who is not really doing very much in Hollywood at the minute. I think partly due to the the car crash that ended up with this film. Mm. So that was the original working title. And they, their original vision was to homage the mid to late 80s, very early 90s action films. So, you mm. know, looking at John McTiernan, looking at Lethal Weapon, looking at mm. the Shane Black scripts. And their idea was to, like you say, to kind of peel apart that and homage that on the big screen. Mm. But what's quite interesting about this film, the, the the actual parody and the pastiche that it was, actually the people it was pastiching ended up getting involved and taking over the film. Yeah. Um, because it ended up that John McTiernan directed it um, and Shane Black came uh, aboard as one of, I believe, eight scriptwriters. Which is always a great sign. It, yeah. It's when it's eight scriptwriters in there, including I don't know if you know this Carrie Fisher because she was a script doctor in yeah. the mid to late nineties. Uh, um, so they became aboard, and originally the title, the titular, titular, titular. Yeah, that's oh, I had another minstrel then. That's clearly yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them away now, um, was called um, Arno Slater. Right. Now, that was before Mr. Schwarzenegger got involved. Yeah. So you can see already where the kind of pastiche was going to, mm. um, which I think is played out. I really like the opening scene. I think we mm. should talk about the opening scene because I, I love it. I think it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And I think... Something I've become very... I mean, John McTiernan is something of a marvel. So I, I, over the last six months, I, I ended up watching a few of his, his earlier films. Well, basically, I say earlier films. I've rewatched Die Hard, obviously. I watched Die yeah. Hard with a Vengeance, but I watched Hunt for Red October, which I hadn't seen. And it only dawned on me that John McTiernan, that Predator was his second movie. That's crazy. Die Hard was his third movie. And the run ahead at Hunt for Red October was his fourth movie. So he made, after one uh, movie, he then went on to make 
Predator, Die Hard and Hunt for Red October in a row, which is quite the kind of hat trick. And he's someone who you never really notice what he's doing, but he's mm. very, very masterful in some of the things he does. And just looking at the shot of Slater's feet walking along the cars, if you actually think about the logistics of blocking and shooting that shot and pulling the focus, the camera stays in one position. He walks from mm. the distance and his feet are always in focus yeah. and they're always well-framed and he comes right up to the front and then drops down into the most perfect and iconic medium close-up without the camera moving. You think, yeah. oh my God, to have parked those cars exactly... Uh, it's just such a great opener. Um, now, what I love about it, I, I don't know about you, but it, it's got that, but it's kind of mixes, it mixes three things. It mixes Lethal Weapon because it starts off with a kind of slightly tilted shot of mm. uh, a building at Christmas. So again, mm. you've got that Shane Black kind of Lethal Weapon Christmas um, feel, but you know it's in LA. And you've got the kind of rows and rows of Christmas cars, uh, Christmas cars, <laughs> these cars at Christmas lined up. <laughs> Got to stop eating minstrels. Uh, <laughs> lined up um, clearly as a scene. Now it plays out really like a lethal weapon opener. Uh, it, it, the color looks the same. The mm. uh, the shots types look the same. And then it's got um, again um, the Michael Caine score. Michael Caine that we talked about did uh, the scores for Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. Yeah. It's kind of got that uh, saxophone kind of classic guitar strummy bit that actually mm -hmm. gets really, really amped up as the film goes along. In in terms of it comes to a fruition, that one yeah. beautiful, glorious scene later on, which I think is brilliant. Um, but it looks like an opening of a Lethal Weapon film with a bit of Die Hard sprinkled on. And mm -hmm. then, essentially, we get Arnold Schwarzenegger striding into a Lethal Weapon film, which I think is, is beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. And um, obviously, you then get the immortal line where he walks up to the cop at, uh, who's kind of guarding the building. Um, do you want to become a farmer? Well, here's a couple of acres and then kicks him in the testicles. And that's just that I remember as a kid not getting it. Like, I don't I get, get it. it no, I don't I get, get it. it and then the moment someone explained to me, thinking almost like a wall falling down and re to reveal the Ark of the Covenant, it was like my eyes were wide open. That's brilliant. Yeah, that it's is amazing. Getting... It is Shakespearean in delivery. Yes. Um, also in this scene, we get another kind of two uh, key components of the film. We get a cameo from Tina Turner as as randomly as the mayor. Yeah. Now, we'll, again, we'll come on to the cameos in a little while because I think yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger in involved in this film is where the kind of the ideas of the yeah. cameos from. So Tina Turner's the mayor. Um, and we get, I think he's brilliant in this, we get uh, uh, an actor called Frank McRae, who is an ex- NFL footballer to an actor, but he plays a very shouty, very yeah. shouty police captain who yeah. comes out with a, a brilliant line later on. We, you don't really understand, kind of understand what he's shouting because it, that's the idea. But the, the only mm. lines I get is like, "I've got the got the mayor right up my Hershey's Highway," which yeah. I think just makes me laugh every time I hear it. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna get those two kind of classic action tropes of the kind of the mayor, uh, you know, all up my ass. And the shouty police captain, and then we realise that we're at a siege. Mm. Now, I like this scene. I like it a lot um, mm. for many reasons. But um, what are your thoughts on the actual kind of siege part of it, the siege element on the? Rooftop? I like it. I, I think putting him up against a almost like a slasher killer, mm. aka the Ripper, is a really interesting. 
you know, it's kind of like death warrant to some degree. I think it's effective. The shot of the, the axe going across him is is wonderfully put together. And I kind of think, you know what? I just want to watch that film. Yeah. And I you think know? that's what it does, doesn't it? It teases you to this universe. Now, yeah. I I did quite a lot of research for this podcast tonight. I, now, I did zero. So you're going <laughs> to be carrying this one on your shoulders quite a bit. I went to um, the British Library. Um, I my appointment was I had to wait three three weeks for it. Right. Um, but I got taken into a, like a crypt area by um, a, a a gentleman with a pair of gloves. Now was he, he wizened. He was very wizened, and he didn't do any surgical checks on me. But he uh, took me to a weighty tome when he he he, um, he only he was allowed to turn the pages, and I spent a good three days in there doing my mm. research. But now I realise that I probably could have done that on Wikipedia in that yeah. 10 minutes. What did you find out? Uh, absolutely fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I found, as you can see by my notes here. Yes. I can see um, volumes of notes. Um, all on um, parchment. <laughs> yeah. As well. Hand quilled. <laughs> Hand quilled parchment. Um, so this scene where he, he kind of the rip, uh, he, he fights the ripper. Is and we come across, uh, along back onto this later on that he basically throws his son off the building, mm. which actually is a bit. It's not really in keeping with the tone of the rest of the film in terms no. of when you think about what actually happens. Yeah, but apparently this wasn't. Even though the film was called extremely violent in in its working title, this wasn't actually part of the original draft. Right. This was put in after the film makers decided to make it PG thirteen. And apparently, yeah. Zach Penn has come out in future years and said, "Look, that this wasn't what it, my draft. I didn't have it, it was a violent film, yeah. but I didn't have this part in it, which I think is quite odd when you think mm. about it, kind of tonally how it fits in with the rest of the film." Yeah, because it's not. Uh, it doesn't. What you're kind of setting up the film as the ultimate action film. It kind of doesn't feel like that. It feels no. odd, and you think, "Well, is." Is that supposed to be the end of that movie or the beginning of that movie? And and this is the thing as well. And I, I don't want to jump ahead, but I think it uses a lot of creative license because the kid, Danny, doesn't go into that movie. Once he's in the movie, there's a whole bunch of shit that wouldn't be in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like the animated cat or the T-1000 or uh, you know any bunch of, of things that are bizarre. Um, yeah. And so, it, again, it, it doesn't it's not that precise in what it's trying and to do. I think also it's difficult because it, it unfortunately it's like it's really afraid of knowing who its audience is, because mm. essentially Danny is there. He might as well be called Danny Exposition, because mm. all he does is point at things and go, mm. look at that. That's, That's from weird. the movies. That's yeah. from the And it's like if you're an action film fan, you don't need it to be yeah. that batter you over the head you know that's what should be in the film yeah. so it's a very strange kind of it's good that he's a buddy they've kind of they've got a buddy cop thing going on mm. but i don't think they need to make it as clunky and obvious which i thought again was quite an odd choice to make yeah um yeah he's he is very very kind of odd in that respect let's go through uh, you know it doesn't work it fundamentally doesn't work it's flawed it, it, it to me, it feels like a bunch of Hollywood people have decided to put on a pantomime, yeah, 
but their only frame of reference is actual movies rather than fairy tales. It's got that mm. kind of, oh, and look who he is. Because like the cameos, like Tina Turner, all right, she was in Beyond Thunder, but she's not like an action movie no. person. So there's loads of cameos from strange <clears throat> people that you think, well, why now, this, them? This is Now, this is where, again, in, in my lengthy research session in the British Library, um, you know, I've got deep vein thrombosis at one point. I was sat there, sat mm. in there, there for so long. But this is where Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, became executive producer for this. He's kind mm. of his first big executive producer now. And it's, he had a lot of hand in the cameos. Mm. So people like Tina Turner, Sharon Stone, Robert Patrick, Danny DeVito, which I think we'll come on to later because that's that that was all his choice, which, again, that's like something me and you would pitch. Yeah. Um, um, right down to the kind of soundtrack that the ACDC wrote Big Gun Big for Gun. this film. Classic. Uh, on his behest. I don't know if you've seen the music video to this, by the way. Have you seen the music video to this? Not for a very long time. Do you remember what happens in the music video? Not very well. It's basically Arnold Schwarzenegger dressed as a member of ACDC. You know, the kind of school kid clothes yeah. sat on a cannon, which is beautiful. Right. It's a beautiful thing. So if you've, you know, if you've got a, a, a spare 10 minutes on yeah. YouTube, I would suggest getting on that. I will do that. Um, well, talking about cameos as well, what's weird is you think, well, okay, Tina Turner isn't really who you'd expect to turn up as the mayor, but she's a big name, especially at that point. Yeah. So you think, okay, I can understand it if you're pulling in huge names. So it's weird. When you get to the, the Hollywood premiere... And all you fucking get is Van Damme, Chevy Chase, and a Wayne's brother. It's like, yeah. where are the big names there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it Did is run very out? strange. It is very because yeah, you got you got kind of Jim Belushi in there, yeah, uh, M MC Hammer in there, Little Richard, who's uh, even at that point, surely his career was in the shitter. Um, <laughs> Bob Bob Carroll, G's was in there, I think, for yeah. five minutes. Uh, yeah. Hale and Pace. Not to turn up quick, quickly. They, weirdly, they weren't there together. Um, yeah. So anyway, it, it doesn't work. So let's talk about the bits and pieces, though, that do really, really work. Um, so I'm going to go first and say most of the stuff in the real world up until Jack Slate comes into it, I couldn't give a shit about. So we go straight into <laughs> the movie world, I think. Can I just make a very quick in insertion to that? So... Well, it's, it's nice of you to ask. Well, I'm I'm a gentleman. I'm French, so um, <laughs> yes. So the yeah, I, I I'm completely there with you. I quite liked the kind of old movie. I think that that is in mm. in another film that would have something to say about the state of Hollywood and for mm. cinema certainly now. Um, and we kind of meet um, Nick, who is played by the actor's name has just escaped me now. Um, very kind of character actory. Um, yeah. He, he looks like a lot of people. He he looks like Grandpa Munster. Yeah. Was he Grandpa he, Munster? He was Grandpa Munster. He was. Um, oh, there go. But uh, he's not crazy like a fox. He's not. Um, no, but he looks like crazy like a fox. <laughs> he does. Uh, very much so. Is it Robert uh, Robert Pretsky? Robert Protsky? Robert, uh, yeah, he was Grandpa Munster. Now, his role, he plays Nick, who is an old... Um, uh, he works projectionist at uh, cinema. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, he mentions that he met Harry Houdini, who gave him this golden ticket. Now, again, in the original draft, 
he was supposed to be playing the devil. This projection of the character was the devil. And he right. tempts Danny into going into these kind of horrible movie worlds um, to basically, it's something about taking children's souls, which is quite dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why he's called Nick, um, Old Nick. So it was a reference to the devil. Now that got changed for the PG-13 universe when he was just a kindly old man who still tempts children into disused cinemas to give yeah. him free stuff, which is still a bit odd. But yeah, he was originally supposed to play the devil. Well, I mean, that... Uh, Eat that, my research. Eat it. That <laughs> makes so much more sense in a weird way. <laughs> Not just for the name, but because the magic ticket thing is bullshit. It's, a, it's such a hmm. weird crutch that has nothing to do with either of the worlds they're trying to paint. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's bizarre. So once we get into the action world, we obviously have Jack Slater's hilariously long-winded relative get blown up and you have a pretty half decent chase scene action sequence um obviously they are trying to infuse it with with humor so it's it's its main mission is not to be an exciting shootout its main mission is to give schwarzenegger a, a run of shit jokes um not quite as much as batman and robin did but there's some good you know the shot of the uh the them driving away and the the kind of van thing coming over the back and blowing up is pretty good. Um, now, did you play henchman bingo at this point? I did see a lot of of the old classics in there. They were all. It's the greatest hits. We had um, Sven Thorsen. Yeah. We had um, Thomas Svensson. So thought, yeah, I am as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Thomas Rosales Jr. was in there. Rosales yeah. Jr. He was again a kind of famous eighties hitman. Um, yeah. We had uh, Henry Kingy, who we talked about in Death Ring. He pops up in there. He's the guy who plays Chicken with Slater. Yeah, uh, and also we had um, Stum- Al Young. Al Young. He's yeah. in there as well. So it was like a best of of the. Yeah. and that's the kind of deep cut stuff that. You, you know, you're rewarded as a as an action fan. So there's some kind of universe building, some fun fish out of water stroke weird stuff. The the video store stuff with um, Stallone as Terminator is, is fun. And then you get to the police station where you get the double cameo of Sharon Stone and T-1000, which is a lovely shot thing. Yeah. But again, why they're there, I don't know. And then the police station is where... They go, oh, fuck it. We don't care. Let's put Humphrey Bogart in there. Let's put Amy Cates. Well, they wouldn't be in an action movie. They're just film shit. Yeah. It's like, you know, why not have the Wicked Witch of the West sort of fly through on a broomstick? It's got nothing to do with action movies. But as much as that stuff, you know, is is reasonably fun, um, you then get F. Murray Abraham's character, uh, how'd you get the card? <laughs> how'd you get to Carnegie, Carnegie Hall? Practice, John, practice, <laughs> which I think is great. But again, uh, uh, I, I just wish the rest of the film was that funny. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is where we're introduced to Dana DeVito's rapey cat character. <laughs> is that what he's uh, called? <laughs> rapey cat. Yeah. Um, he's called fucking Whiskers, isn't he? Which it yeah. irritates me. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Why has he not got just a normal name, but he's an animated cat? Like, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, like actually, Rapey Cat's are quite a good one. I can yeah. think of anything better than that. I did quite like the the buddy cop thing, though, where they're all lining up to be buddied up with someone. I quite yes. like that because that feels like something we'd buddy up. And then you get to the, you get the captain scene. Let's let's take a quick sojourn to the side of villainy. 
And yes. Charles Dance is fantastic in this. Although, again, <clears throat> research. Okay. Page 85. Apparently wasn't meant to be Charles Dance. Do you know who right. it was meant to be? No. Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Um, it was meant to, again, back into the John McTiernan universe, it was meant to be Alan Rickman as the villain. Uh, but apparently this at this point, the studio was worried about money. Um, mm-hmm. And apparently they couldn't afford Alan Rickman. So yeah. they went to Charles Dance, who is wonderful in this. But right. apparently on the first day of shooting, he turned up in a T-shirt saying, I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman, which I think is wonderful. But actually, yeah. I think he, he's really good in this. I think actually he's yeah. a really, really good villain. He's a solid villain. He's got a gimmick. Um, and I think actually I, 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 he's one of my favourite things about this. I just think he's a really good... And he plays quite well against like... He knows who he is in this universe, but actually yeah. he kind of, uh, he does lots of eye rolling. And I, I quite like that about him. He, he seems to be the only character and actor who, who gets it, mm. who gets the entire thing. Absolutely. And he's able to meet play. Um, but there's there's some bizarre jokes, which are funny, like the trained, ha- I love the trained bloodhound dog where he clicks his fingers and they form a pyramid. That's amazing. But again, it's like, why is that in here? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, we're doing airplane now. Great. Um, yeah. So the the I think the fight scene in the Slater house is good. Yeah, um, I like that. It's actually effective. And I remember when they go out the house and Slater kind of is about to give chase to the guy. I remember at that point thinking, oh, my God, this is actually like legit action film. This stuff's good. And then you have fucking Danny. Oh, the comedy psychic. Oh, the comedy. Then you get an E.T. reference. I'm like, yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. Which is really random. It's just like, wait, why is this it? Again, why yeah. is that in there? It's because it's all Hollywood. Mm. It's like you're not pastiching Hollywood. You're pastiching action films. It's not. It's different. It's two different You know things. what? It literally, this is just mm. in my head. It's just clicked. This is just fucking Planet Hollywood, the movie. Yes, it is. This you're is exactly it. right. It. You're exactly right. That is per. That it might as well be called Planet Hollywood. You're right. He plugs the restaurant at the end in his ca- in his his own cameo, and his wife's like, yeah. "Don't do it." And he's like, "I know that this film is just. Let's just put a bunch of random movie shit up on the wall, and serve mediocre burgers. It's a yeah, mediocre yeah. burger." Surrounded by Hollywood tat. <laughs> this is exactly it's cost a fortune and yeah. you just feel short short change at the end of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Um shakes were good though, I remember. First time I ever had like chocolate and shit in a in a shake, like Maltesers yeah. and not Maltesers, um MMs. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one in London had the um Sylvester Sloan in ice encased in it which meant that wherever you sat you could kind of partially see his arse and biffkin's bridge on display which is um but you didn't you book you book the table underneath it every time i think you reserved that seat didn't you i you know like when you're in restaurants when you have a birthday and they come out and sing my i always prearrange if i could get a stepladder and have a really good look from above because that's where the action is anyway that bit's fine um the shoot out on top of the roof the farting Dead corpse. I don't really. I didn't really know. It's still. I don't. It's, it's supposed to be funny, but it's yeah. just. A, it's a fart gag that lasts for ages. Yeah. It's like it's not funny. But the stuff no. dangling off the building with a helicopter and that shot. I remember me and a friend. The shot of him dangling off the um, the the elevator of the 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 exterior elevator and dropping into the distance, thinking that's the best blue screen. 
I've ever yeah. seen. At that, I remember at that point watching it thinking like, you cannot see the joins. And re-watching it, it still holds up to the point where I'm thinking maybe he was on like a, a an arc crane arm and was actually up there. I mean, it's proper solid. It is good. It is good. So then, it, really, this takes us kind of up to when he when Jack Slate comes into the real world. So is there anything in that kind of area you want to... No, because like I said, I think you're right. I think it's almost like we, we get taken, we get kind of shown behind the curtains of something that could be really good. Hmm. And then we get diverted to, oh no, yeah. do you know what? We're not going to show you any more of that. We're going to hmm. show you, um, I'm going to show you this instead. Hmm. And you're like, oh, I don't want to see this. Uh, I nearly compared it to like some sort of Amsterdam hooker house, but I, I don't really know where, where I could have gone with that analogy. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to go there. And you uh, never come, and you never come back from them disappointed. You're always pretty, pretty satisfied. But yeah, I'm usually happy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Slate comes into the real world, and here there's some genuinely good stuff here. I think this is far more perceptive. The shooting the car and not exploding, the hurting, punching through things, not being able to run over the cars, all that kind of stuff. That stuff works well. And it's yeah. like, okay, you've you've really shown the distance traveled between lethal weapon and this, not whatever fucking world you've come from that isn't an action movie. Yep. And actually the stuff with Jack Stater kind of acclimatised into the real world is really, really nice. And then, oh, then you just get this taste of what yeah. could be. Could have been. Charles Dance going, and you could get Dracula and King Kong. And you're thinking, holy shit, this film's going to go bonkers. And then they just go, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to say, we're going to describe a finale that's much better than what we've got planned. And then there's this, and then there's this, and then you go... Oh, oh no, no, it's not. The, as a kid watching this, I was like, "So you're not, you're not bringing those characters in. You just said you could, hmm. and then you're not." Yeah, you've got, you've got Jim Belushi, but not Dracula. <laughs> like, <laughs> and this is the thing: like the stuff in the cinema with the cameos and the Schwarzenegger meeting Schwarzenegger. That's all pretty good stuff. I mean, it works well. It's fun, but. It just uh, there's something it, just at that point it loses its. It edge. does. It does. It does completely. And actually, kind of rolling back a little bit, there's two for me very interesting cameos amongst all the kind of Hollywood sheen. There's two kind of slightly odd ones for me. The first one, which I think is is a lovely cameo, but again, I can't really. I don't think it's Schwarzenegger that's done it. I don't really know where it's come mm. from. But um, and we, I think we need to talk about this and rewind it where we go to the. Um, the Shakespeare Hamlet scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so this the, is great. The cameo is from John Plowright, who um, is he's the teacher uh, teaching the class about um, Hamlet. Mm. She was Laurence Olivier's wife. Mm. Um, she's um, uh, Dame Olivier, um, which is quite nice. Actually, she introduces her husband playing the Hamlet. I, th- I really like that. I don't know. It's just mm. a nice little cameo, a nice little throw cameo. But the actual scene, the trailer for Schwarzenegger in Hamlet, was the only original scene, full scene, left in the film from the Zach Penn uh, really? draft script. That's the only original bit that was left in. That's one of the best bits. Is the one of the best bits. Yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, what a film that would have been. When he starts walking through the castle with a machine gun, yeah, I'm like, show me this film now, please. Give yeah. me this film. Oh, yeah, I like I say that the rest of the film's all right, but it goes way too serious. 
and it loses all its charm. The stuff with death, I think, is interesting. Well, that's the only cameo I was going to come on to. This Ian McKellen. Again, it's something yeah. we, we would have chucked in there. Yeah, but this is pre-X-Men, so it's not like... Yeah. I think most audiences would not go, oh, it's Ian McKellen. Um, but again, for a film that's changed what it's doing to become more PG-13 and more Hollywood, for its finale to be Schwarzenegger bleeding to death and the Grim Reaper slowly working its way through a grimy New York. It's just weird and dark, and it's such mm. a kind of downward turn that you think this is like end of second act stuff. The third yeah. act should have gone big and fun. Schwarzenegger punching King Kong pretty much is, mean, is what should have happened. Yeah. They needed to get back into the ridiculous world to, to finish it up. I think they ran out of time as well, didn't they? Because this whole shoot, the whole film, took 10 months. Um, and um, and apparently, I think it, it finished shoot. I think it finished filming about four weeks before release. So Christ. I think it was very, very. Again, I think this is probably where at the end where you say actually we should have another act. There probably yeah. could have been another act, but I don't think they had had the, the resources or the time to get it finished. Yeah. Which again is frustrating. Yeah, it's weird. I mean. It's... It's such a shame because there's some really, really good stuff in it. And then that's the thing. Like, you watch it, you think, well, all right, props to you for trying. You know, Scream was popular. I get it. And then you watch Demolition Man, you think, oh, no, that's the fucking movie. That's does everything you were trying to do. It spoofs action movies. There's nostalgia in it. But it also is an effective action movie. And it's funny. And it's clever. Yeah, it's... it knows its audience. It knows the people watching there are people who watch action films. Yeah. Like when you go into Sandra Bullock's office and she's got Postal Lethal Weapon 3 mm. and she's been watching Jackie Chan films and actually references them as a throwaway thing, not of like some kid going, what's that? Mm. Oh, look. And it's like, I don't need to be told that's a reference yeah. to Weapon or Die Hard. Yeah. Um, you know, there's one bit in there where... Again, which is we, we don't have a kid pointing and, and, and kerning, is where his cousin gets blown up and it's the the cop in the tree. Yeah. And we get the three days from retirement and the Michael Kamen sacks from Lethal Weapon. We yeah. should be more of that because we know that's yeah. what we expect to see in that film. Yeah, it's um it's a shame. Yeah, it's it's strange because for us it's the perfect film to kind of end our, our first glorious season on its kind of reflective back of action movies. It features one of the big names. Mm-hmm. We were never not, not going to end on a, on a, on a, an A-lister. Um, but also I think it's perfect for us because it's also, you know, it's intentions are good, but it's also slightly shit, which is yep. the, the tagline I've been going with when I've been promoting this online. It's intentions are good. But it just ends up being a fucking mess. Yeah, is what you're saying is that is that where we're which going? is basically what we it's <laughs> us. It's that film. We are the last action hero, um, in every sense. So yeah, I you know what more can we say? It, it's it's an attempt to celebrate action movies that misses the mark. But along the way, there are these little nuggets, and it kind of feels like actually, it's a, it it almost works better just as a series of sketches. If you just skip through the Danny stuff, not and again, I don't want to be too hard on child actors because he's fine, you know. He's does he does he's actually relatively charismatic, I guess, and he 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 could deliver lines and he's not 
he, he has a kind of mature sense of timing and stuff. It's just that he's been given shit to work with kind Apparently, of thing. again, so one more bit of research throwing your way. Uh, for the for the British Library, um, the character Dan, yeah. <clears throat> um, so the character was obviously you get very glimpses of it. That he lives with his mum uh, yeah. in a kind of grotty New York apartment, and there's it, it one version of it where there's a home invasion, which I'd right. see, cut out in the version I saw as a kid, but actually it's in it's in the versions now. Yeah. But he she mentions that she was widowed at an early age but apparently there's in the original draft there's lots of backstory that his his dad was murdered and there's quite a lot of kind of family trauma and there's a version in the early script when it was kind of um it was r-rated or 18 as it would be over over here mm. where he goes into the movie world and goes on a killing spree because right. he feels he finds that he has these superhuman abilities yeah. And he can punch people through walls. He can, he can kind of mm. uh, blow things up with shooting at something. And apparently, in the original draft, he yeah he goes on a killing spree. Which, to be fair, I'm not really surprised they took that bit out because I imagine no. that wouldn't really go down very well. No. Better than a farting corpse. Anyway, that that's the last action hero. You know, <clears throat> best intentions, um, passable outcomes. Uh, who's going to go first? You go first. Go on. Okay. I'm just going to put my research down. Hang on. I would like to say that throughout this, uh, uh, Dick Versage has been miming holding a large uh, kind of book of research, but actually holding a jet from Gladiator's mug. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's, that's the my research, folks. that's the fantasy and the reality. Okay. <laughs> uh, hang on. Uh, uh, okay, I've got one. Ready? Your title is Let's Finger Bronski. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Let's Finger Bronski. Has he got an exclamation mark or any comment? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, has. <laughs> and I can tell you the poster, the lead character or characters are pointing directly at the. Like and it's a painting, and the hand with the finger is overlarged. Right. Okay. Um. So. Um, overlarged, oversized. You've been on the minstrels, haven't you? Um. Yeah. I've got a bottle of them here. <laughs> uh, Frank uh, Bronski. Um, yeah. Is he's a cop? Is he's, he's a bit dodgy? He uh he's he's not really on the straight and narrow. He's uh, he's on the take quite a bit. Um. But he, um, he sees his partner gets gunned down in a uh, in a factory. Um, we're not really sure about what this factory is as well. It's got lots of kind of bubbling green bats and things. Um, and we find out it's, it's a government-owned factory and they're conducting lots of experiments in there. <laughs> and um, he goes back to exact revenge, um, but he's basically been set up. They knew he was coming. Um, and they know he's kind of on the take, so no one really miss him. And basically, he gets his hand cut off and thrown into a vat of chemicals. Um, <clears throat> I think they've got rid of him, and then basically the head of this kind of chemical corporation is runs for the mayor of the city and gets hold of the police department. Then uh, we get uh, a shot of someone punching through the side of um, this vat of chemicals, um, and it's Frank Bronski, um, but his hand has grown back, but it's massive. 
looks fucking massive. It looks like a baseball hand. And it's got his base, his point, you know, baseball hands point. Yeah. Uh, foam hand, it's points like what the first finger and the thumb is pointed up. That's what his yeah. hand looks like. He's got a <clears> throat> massive throat> fucking hand. Um, and he's always pointing. That's all it can do. Um, but he desires to go in exact revenge with a massive hand. Um, he, but also on the way, he learns to uh, re- have redemption where he, he he's, doesn't want to be on the take anymore. He wants his ex-wife back. And she's uh, initially horrified at his massive hand, but uh, <clears throat> can see the benefits later on, <laughs> um, which in, in the uncut version is played out to horrendous detail. Yeah. And, and but, got, but with saxophone music, it's classy. Uh, uh, synth and uh, flugelhorn, I think, as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, always the flugelhorn. Uh, and basically, at the end, he, um, he takes down uh, the New York the police department where the uh, head of this chemical company, who's now the mayor, has taken a uh, stronghold and he goes in with his massive hand and takes everyone out. Um, and it's just a really clumsy, poorly executed fight scene. Yeah. Starring Gary, uh, not Gary Booze, who used him too much. Yeah. I want it to be, fuck it, Charles Bronson. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I love it. A tagline? He's, his fingers are in many pies, but now he's the one doing the fingering or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just how about prepare your pie. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah. There you go. Well, yeah, great. Let, let's finger Bronski. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready? To... Yeah. Put it in me. <laughs> um, right. Chalky White and the Secret Alien. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, Chalky White, and it's going to be the 80s, so it's going to be relatively insensitive to certain things so he is an albino cop right that everyone in the in the squad room refer to him as chalky white much to his <clears throat> chagrin um uh because he's a good cop he puts the work in um but he often gets passed over promotion he isn't really given he's he cracks the high profile cases but he doesn't really get the pr because the, the the PR department for the, for the precinct like you don't really photograph well so he basically stays in uh, a kind of basement squad room does all the hard work I'm deciding whether to go science fiction or straight action I'm gonna go straight I'm gonna go straight action listen to your heart I'm gonna go straight action I want a straight action film because I want this to be what like uh, uh, much in the spirit of Last Action Hero, a kind of well-meaning attempt at being progressive, but that just doesn't get it quite right. So it's a buddy cop movie. It's a, it's a buddy movie, right? A bit like Midnight Run. One of them is a fully albino police officer, not played by an albino person. It's a makeup job. Right. We'll get to that in a minute. Who, while going through the files, realises that a witness that he keeps passing... In being interviewed, who catches attention is actually an illegal alien, right? But that might hold the key to one of the cases he's not yet cracked. But they won't listen to him because it's 
this person's being kind of set up. I, I like the idea, like one of the um, either the chief of police or the mayor has got this thing about illegal immigrants and they're launching a big campaign. <coughs> and this person's going to be made like a, a, a scapegoat, like they're going to be yeah. made an example of. And so Chalky White takes it upon himself to break out the key witness and go on the run. So we have an 80s buddy movie. I'm going to go Eric Estrada for the yeah, role of the cool. of the secret alien. And for the guy playing Chalky White, I'm thinking, because it's buddy cop, I'm going Chevy Chase. I think he's cho- he's chosen this role because it's a bit different. And they've put him in very pale makeup, blank contact lenses, because I don't really know much about that. And they've bleached his hair blonde. Can he have an uh, accent as well? I don't know why. I, just, I can imagine with an accent. Yeah, he's putting on uh, a southern drawl and he's got a white suit. So he, he's kind of like an albino Colonel Sanders in many ways. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and Eric Estrada is kind of like a, like a, a, a tough, hands-on kind of person. Um, <clears throat> and they go off. And basically, the case is about illegal immigrants being brought in on purpose and then people committing crimes to to set them up um, so that this thing can be pushed through. And it's actually, this goes all the way to the top, the DA, the mayor, whoever's initiative this is. And so they have to go on a cross-country run. And um, there's loads of things where they kind of walk into a bar and, like, there's lots of double takes and a bar fight and what have you. Yeah, and that's it. Um, What's yeah. the cover? What's on the cover? Uh, the cover is so there will be a scene where they are on a quad bike and so Eric Estrada's riding the quad bike and Chevy Chase has got his hands in his waist he's kind of poking out to the side with his white tie in the background and behind them just rows of police cars and helicopters We're going to be pitching what should have been. We're going to put ourselves back in time just before production, or at least the, the, the kind of shooting script was greenlit, and we burst into the room myself. It's probably Planet Hollywood, isn't it? Actually, yeah. probably the yeah. last pitching session is at Planet Hollywood. Yeah. Myself and Monsieur Visage uh, burst in. We've tried to blend in because it's 90s, so we're both on rollerblades. Um, we screw up. I get a quick look at Stallone's ass, and then we're um, like, stop. You're making a huge mistake. We've come from the future, much like your Terminator movies, Mr. Schwarzenegger, and we've got a better pitch for you. You're not going to do Last Action Hero. You are going to be embroiled in a cross-dimensional, self-referential postmodern 90s extravaganza we are going to make planet hollywood the movie don't you worry in fact let's just fucking call it planet hollywood the movie yeah <laughs> and but we've got a better one for you we've got the we've got the names we've got the characters we've got the plot so sit your shit down open up your ear holes and get ready to have them filled with lightning gold we're going to spray our pizzazz all over this table. You'll be mopping up our pizzazz for months. This, this, be... after, this after 40 minutes of you stood at, staring at Sloan's house. Yeah. And Schwarzenegger's like, hello, who are you? Yeah. 
Okay, let's go. Question one. We're gonna we're gonna go from a real world mm-hmm. through a series of other movie worlds, right? And their internal logics. We're not gonna stick strictly to action. Is Schwarzenegger the person doing the traveling? So does he come from the real world through, or is he someone we meet along the way? I think he's someone we meet at the start. So we basically, he's the main person we follow, but he's still in that movie world. So essentially we're, we're going on this adventure with him and possibly someone else in the real world. So how about we start in action movie world? We start yeah. with a traditional action movie plot. Only the villain at the start of this is going to be, I think we go supernatural like uh, Zach Penn originally intended. Yeah. And the portals are some kind of ritual. Yeah. So we have a kind of slasher, cultist, serial killer, you know, Cobra or like the Ripper from Last Action Hero. So who's going to play him? Do we do we keep Charles dancing or do we add someone else? I do like Charles dance, but I don't see him as a as a as a kind of cultist kind of character. I think we need like a really intense, possibly overacting kind of person. Oh, what a, so basically someone lives in life but he's got to, got to be as charismatic to kind of fill the screen with Schwarzenegger so what I think what Charles Dance does he again like you see he knows who he's playing up against so yeah. he does the kind of English cool villain against yeah. kind of Hollywood charisma so I think we I think we possibly try and match it then Stephen Burkoff popped into my head yeah he popped into mine actually let's do Stephen Burkoff with a weird beard Almost like a Raz Al Ghul. Yeah. You know, where it's, it, there's no moustache and no centre of the goatee, but just two bits on either side of the chin. Yeah. Um, some weird tattoos on his head and a long robe. Yeah. And some Perfect. Beads. And so we have an exciting chase. Yeah. We open on a chase, kind of like Lethal Weapon 2. We're straight in. Mm-hmm. And Schwarzenegger is he? Is his character's name Jack Slater? I think we keep Jack Slater. Yeah, yeah, because actually, we it, it's an action film trope, so we'll keep that in there. Yeah. I think definitely. He's Jack Slater. <laughs> He's bombing down a freeway in chase of a articulated lorry, mm. in the back container of which is Burkoff doing his ritual. Yeah. Okay. And there's cars flipping over, and Schwarzenegger at one point. Uh, jams like a shotgun through the steering wheel onto the accelerator and gets out and he's on the bonnet of his car yeah, like firing two guns um, at cultists who are falling off the top of the, the thing. Yeah, ACDC is blaring out. Yeah, it's brilliant. And then he shoots out the tyres the of the I, I think he shoots a car in front of the lorry yep. that then flips. The lorry hits it and it jackknifes and it crashes in an impressive crash, and then he walks up to it, and Burkhoff's kind of laughing his ass off, uh, and he's like, "What are you laughing?" Pretty shit. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing? And he vanishes into a pool. Yeah. <clears throat> and Slater's like, "What?" And then we have the classic captain scene. We keep that shit the same. Absolutely. He's like, you're off the case later. You've caused too much property damage. And he's like, but what about what's the villain's what's Burkov's name? But what about Doctor something? Doctor Doctor Voodoo. <laughs> Barry Voodoo. Uh, <laughs> um Doctor 
in, I think it just needs to be something like what what be a really ne- a name that people in the nineties who make a film think that's really cool. Doctor Otto Van Winkle. <laughs> Doctor Winkle. Yeah, let's run with that unless something better pops up uh, along the way. And so Slate is off the case. We established that he's been divorced. Yeah. His friend, John Practice, is like, you know, you need to get out. You need to see the world. You're, you, all you live is the cop's life. Yeah. You need to see a bunch of other things, right? That's setting up the theme. Oh, the theme is stated for you Blake Snyder fans out there. And then he can't resist. He follows the trail of evidence. He goes back to the crash site and he puts together some clues and he creates a portal of his, of his own. Yeah. And he's like, well, I've got to go and find Winkle. <laughs> actually his accent would be brilliant <laughs> Vinkle, um, and he steps through now what Otto Van Winkle is doing is going through different parallel universes each universe is a different genre of movie Yeah, I think we do end in the real world I think that's okay. where it all culminates cul- culminates, yeah. culminates. Um, do we want to pick our genres as we go or do we want to set them out now i think there should be like four maybe five let's let's say this five we'll just we'll just we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll just shoot the shit as we go along i think so as much as it's close to my heart um i think the one that's going to have the most lasting impact and really sell the difference will be going straight into horror movies i think so i think that's um, a good one and I like the idea that the horror movie world, in the time they're there, the 20 minutes they're there, starts black and white and gothic, but ends up in full colour. Yeah. I think, like, in the passing of the time that they're there. So yeah. I think <clears throat> Schwarzenegger starts in a kind of Eastern European village. Yeah. Um, and we know that there is a uh, an evil supernatural count in one castle... There is a doctor doing hideous experiments in another. Um, there's a werewolf on the loose. There's a museum of Egyptology. Um, and I think it would be a funny joke. And I think that Schwarzenegger would find this funny, that when he arrives, the villagers try and chase him with pitchforks and, yep. and torches. Amazing. But yeah, I think that Van Winkle is trying to um, borrow the best from each different world to have a master plan. So he is going to try and leave with... So I don't know whether he leaves with with the characters or whether he leaves with... I think he's got an amulet. And basically he's got like... It collects parts of souls or parts of so actually at the end as he goes through it he's collecting these to build this kind of huge army at the end of it okay so yeah okay so he's chasing so we get a big fight between Schwarzenegger the mummy uh maybe Frankenstein's monster at this point then Van Winkle's off have we got cameos, by the way? Are we gonna are we gonna chuck the planet Hollywood cameos in? Yeah okay so who's gonna play the mummy uh, I think the mummy should be. I th- I'd say I'll give you Frankenstein. Frankenstein should be Thor Svensson or Sven Thorson. Saw Svensson. How is your Saw Svensson? Is it? <laughs> I've got some ice on it at the minute. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. I think I like the idea that the mummy is a bit of a comedy mummy played by uh, Rob Schneider. Yeah. And oh, could we have the bride of Frankenstein? But it's Tina Turner, so we've just brought her back. Yes, it's just her with like massive, even bigger hair than normal. Yeah, absolutely. And Dracula is Omar Sharif. I know they said Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why? Just Phil Collins, like with it, just like a like a just ridiculous wig. And he can be, like... he can be um, Igor, or he could be one of like the little helper kind of thing. Yeah, brilliant. And of course, Tina Turner and Phil Collins do the the theme tune. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a fight. Day turns tonight. We're we're now into we fast forward a bit. Oh no, no. I think we go seventies. So then we have um, an Exorcist riff, mm-hmm. where we get um, who could be? Yeah, we get to get some kid to be the the. the and so Schwarzenegger just. Basically, Von Sydow is trying to like exercise the thing, and Schwarzenegger just comes in and shoots its head off. I think actually we we go like it's se- like a sexy woman, so it's just really like sexualized. It's like Angie Everhart who was in Last Action Hero, or yeah. someone like Pamela Anderson or someone like that. Yeah, and she's trying to seduce Jack Slater. Yeah, and then she starts coming out with all the filth, and he shoots her head off. And he's like, "I like you, but honey, you've got a putty mouth," and then it blows her head off. And then we go to 80s, and then we've got Slash Killers and Freddy I think Kruger. Freddy Krueger. I think he fights Freddy Krueger and, and Jason yep. Voorhees all day long. Yeah. And then, as he's doing that, Van Winkle opens a portal, mm. and Schwarzenegger manages to dive through, but still with Jason Voorhees on his back. Yeah. Right? What genre do we go into now? Sword and Sorcery. Oh, Perfect. I want that. I basically, I want to kind of obviously Hamlet's not sword and sorcery, but that kind yeah. of era of like horses and swords and sandals and. So okay, do we go then? Do we go Conan the Barbarian, like mm. desert fairy pants, or do we go kind of like Princess Bride fairy tale, or do we go down the middle and go like Kroll? I think so either we... I was thinking Tolkien or Kroll. There's some fairy tale esque elements, but yeah. there's also some kind of darkness and darkness. Some... Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So obviously, Winkle is there to get some kind of <clears throat> eight foot armored, sword wielding, evil killing machine. Yeah. Schwarzenegger leaves with some hobbits. Yeah. So yeah. some people that have been miniaturized. Um, Dick, who's going to play the hobbits? I mean, th- this is where the buddy cop thing. So instead of Danny, we've got we could have three hobbits. So yeah. we buddies up with three hobbits. Devito's got to be one. We're for it. If we're having Devito, we've got to have Hoskins. <laughs> Hoskins, yeah. And who else? I mean, it, is this just the the unofficial three bears sequel? Okay, <laughs> yeah, Phil Collins. Phil Collins. <laughs> Playing his second role of the film, we're not overwriting yeah. our decision. He's yeah. in it twice. Yeah. Um, at, at, at this point, he might be in it some more. So they help him defeat Voorhees. Yeah. With some pixie dust or whatever. And I want them to be really fucking annoying. They've got little pixie ears and curly shoes, and they all dance around and sing pixie songs. And we've, in post, we've made all their voices higher. 
I think they just they look like Ewoks, so they just got faces cut out of them. So they just like little bears, and but oh, they do the te- they do the teddy bear roll thing. So to get from place to place, they do the teddy bear roll where they put their <laughs> yeah. their hands on their feet and just roll about the place. Yeah, um, which is clearly the, the actors doing it because they just keep like crashing off set. Um, yeah. And they give Schwarzenegger like a magic axe, like a, a a dwarf made axe that is the strongest material on earth. That's how he kills Voorhees. Mm. Um, but I think that um, Van Winkle um, is is also going after some sort of Sauron like figure who's kind of like a, an eye or some sort of magical that he can he, he can basically become all seeing. It's a flaming brain. A flaming, floating brain. But it's got a brilliant voice. Who could voice it? Ooh. Orson Welles. Or... <laughs> Chris Charles, Tucker. Charles, <laughs> Charles Hawtrey. <laughs> Chris Tucker. <laughs> Chris Tucker, yeah. Um, I'm going to make a slight revision. Yep. So let's say he doesn't blow off the head of the Reagan <laughs> character yeah. because he sees something. So she's come through with him as well. So okay. he's got three hobbits and a child who in one moment is all sweetness and light, and then another moment is saying the filthiest shit. And I think her voice changes. Yeah. And t- but then she's voiced by Rodney Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. Who's just been told to swear as much as you can. Yeah, brilliant. Say the filthiest shit. Yeah. You are off the hook. Um, and she can vomit acid. Yeah. Um, then they're off. Now, uh, what's the next genre? Uh, sci-fi. Yeah. I think, yeah, proper... S- space. Space. Um, are we doing Star wars space opera, or are we doing, like, Alien on a creepy ship? I was thinking Alien. I was thinking just really creepy, horrendous creatures, like the Alien or Predator or something. I think at this point, why I like the idea is that Schwarzenegger is tired, <coughs> right? The bears are all dancing around to do pixie shit and whatever. Reagan's swearing a red off. He's like, can you we go a little bit kindergarten cop? Will you please be quiet? And then he has a sleep. And while he has a sleep, Freddy Krueger's in his nightmares. Yeah. Because he hasn't got rid of him. And so he has another fight with Freddy Krueger. You missed Listeners, my mind there was a kind of karate chop movement I, there. And he just about gets out of that. I think we, we do the thing where actually he's, he's kind of, he's, one of his family members has died and he was responsible. Mm. So he basically plays, Freddy Krueger plays his mind and just puts him down. I also think there's a thing there where Freddy Krueger winds him up and has Stallone like banging his wife or something like that. And Stallone yeah. keeps one up in him in this nightmare. And basically yeah. it turns out this nightmare is just, just his Stallone rivalry, and it just ends up being like Freddy Krueger is just winding him up with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, and like one of the nightmares, he goes to Planet Hollywood, and it's Stallone and Bruce Willis, and Demi and Demi Moore, and not all the wives, and they're like, "Oh no, you're out of the business." And it's weird because he's not playing Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, but that's it's just an advert for Planet yep. Hollywood, um, but with Freddy Krueger in it as well. Yep, brilliant. Okay, so Van Winkle is obviously. Getting an alien. Of course he is. But not the xenomorph, our own kind of sort of phallic alien. Um, this one, instead of legs, it's got giant fleshy spheres. 
So he does I... look like a cock and balls. Um, and... Well, it's weird, isn't it? Because the, obviously the alien is kind of got lots of kind of penis related, uh, you know, lots of kind of sexual organs. And the predator looks like a vagina. So actually, mm. you're not far off there, are you? They should have gotten like a house on fire. <laughs> they really should. Although, thinking about it, I don't want to see that. You are seeing it, aren't you? In your head. Uh, it's in my head. Ugh. So anyway, uh, and he, then he sets the, the spaceship self-destruct. So the spaceships are very long event horizon style spaceship. Yeah. The portals at one end, the alarms are going off, red lights and everything. Schwarzenegger is suddenly woken up like, and that's what wakes him up. And Kruger's like, damn you, Winkle. And so Schwarzenegger is running, followed by three cuddly bear people. And Reagan. And at this point, can you pick up an R2-D2 style cleaning droid? Really annoying fucking robot. Oh, it just makes the long. stupidest noises. Yeah, it just clangs and clatters and yeah, yeah, splutters. Yeah, it's yeah. really fucking annoying. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's got uh, it's got like a, a computer screen for a face and it's just got like two eyes and a line. And it does yeah. that to do the emotions or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's called, uh, it's got like a, you know, what we talked about before, when it's got like a, a robot name, but it's like something, full stop, something. It's called um, Spunk. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's called Spunk. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Um, so what are the three Hobbit names? Oh, I just, cause I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, when we, we meet the dwarves in the Hobbit and it's like Biffa, Bomber, yeah. Barry, Blender. Yeah. I think we go, um, something like that. I was just trying to think what could, could, <laughs> could they all have names that sound a little bit like ass or like bottom, like Botto, Botto, Rumpo. Bollock Botto, Rumpo, and Rectum. Yeah. And Rectum's DeVito. Yeah. Right. And they all have to run through an exploding ship. It's quite exciting. With their teddy bear Uh, rolling the whole way. Yeah. And he's like, Will you? Yeah. Uh, And he just ends up picking them up. He's kicking him down the corridor. <laughs> he's got one under each arm. He's kicking rectum uh, all along. Um, Reagan's like, get the fuck through here. And the shit robot spunk is just making noises. They all leap through the portal into our, f- what will be our fourth. F- yeah, we're going to do five genres and then back to the real world. So what's our yeah. fourth? I think our, we take a, a moment of levity. And our fourth one, and I'm aware this is going to be in film terms, the most awful 10 minutes of cinema ever, but they go into a musical. Yeah. Why would Winkle be in a musical? Um, it basically, he's like the Pied Piper. So the idea of the idea of song it could lead to people to, you know, he gets people to follow him really quickly. If he gets this kind of special instrument, you know, like the Buffy episode, what's yeah. more feeling where basically it's someone who's controlling people's emotions through song, something like that. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. It's going to be like Singing in the Rain. So it's a Hollywood musical about filmmaking. Yeah. So we go really meta here. And he's going to steal the ruthlessness of the Hollywood executives. Right. Right. 
but also the creative mind to put together a scenario where all these souls he's got. Basically, he needs a Hollywood writer to come up with a plan. Yeah. Right. Whereas Schwarzenegger dropped into the middle of a big Busby Berkeley yeah. musical number. Proper top-down stuff with crazy stuff. There's bits where people are diving into the water. Yeah. I think one of the bears takes a piss in the pool and it just... I think we just cut to uh, Reagan just vomiting into one of the pools as well. Um, and it's so, like Wizard of Oz where they've all got like themes. Yeah. So it's like glorious Technicolor. Yeah. Basically, I just wanted to team up with the, either the Tin Man or the Lion or the Scarecrow. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. Hit the musical number is an ode to Hollywood musical numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the person he takes with him is the camp choreographer. Yeah. Just like Dom DeLuise in Blazing Saddles. And it's Dom DeLuise. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> just playing that character from Blazing Saddles, but with Schwarzenegger, three bears, a spunky robot. And a sweary teenager. Amazing. Amazing. So what's our fifth and penultimate genre before we return to the real world? Got two. Got two okay. for you. Either they go into spy film, Allied James Bond. Yeah. Or we go fucking mental and he goes into animation like a cartoon. The other thing I was thinking was Japanese Godzilla movie. Yeah. Which I know is kind of Oh, but I'm thinking like the big ridiculous ones with oh, flying yeah. saucers and robot women in silver oh, spandex. This is where we could get King Kong, Godzilla and everything. And we could create our own kaiju as well, couldn't we? Yeah. yeah fuck it. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. And I've got the kaiju. <coughs> Go on. It's a giant clam. It's a yes. giant fucking clam with legs. Amazing. Not, so like if the clam, the clam is not horizontal. Mm. and therefore opens horizontally it's vertical and opens like that yeah. and the legs come out the side Brilliant. he's got an eye on either side of the shell and all kind of weird horrible shit in the middle yep. so they turn up in the city Winkle the, the, the clam thing appears and starts chomping buildings between its, its yeah. shell there's um, Sexy alien women in silver spandex firing ray guns at it. Is well, there a giant robot as well? We've we got a giant robot. There's a giant robot that Spunk, the little robot, tries to have sex with. <laughs> he has a little robot boner. Yeah. Um, it's like a little aerial or something that pops out and his face goes smiley. Um, I think the giant robot, though, should look like a mixture of like one of the robots from Pacific Rim, but it's gone more 80s. So basically, it looks like Megatron. It's got like a big cannon. Yeah. I was kind of thinking like a giant metal Mickey. <laughs> Idiot. But somewhere in a mix of those kind of things. Um, so the metal, clam... Metal Megatron. Yeah. I think the clam destroys the robot. Yeah. And then Winkle vanishes with the clam. And then there's one sexy alien left. And they get all... Schwarzenegger's posse on a flying saucer and it's like and they're like we you know we missed the portal because we were too busy you know trying to excrete spunk from a giant robot's vagina um that's it and they say well look we spunk spunk's little face <laughs> feel like a big smile but he's got a little cigarette like a little <laughs> led cigarette hanging out isn't that yeah 
um, and the robots are like, well, we we've we've picked up these kind of particles that we can trace, and they tune in to the real world. Yep. Now the aliens are cross-dimensional aliens, and they explain to Jack Slater the setup. And this is where we get the bit of pathos that he's only a character. Look, this is why this this is why you're sharing this spaceship with three fucking bears, a pervy robot, teenager from The Exorcist, and me. I'm tempted to say the audience doesn't hear any of this. It's basically they've got a whiteboard and they're talking in, but this yeah. is where Phil Collins and Tina Turner's theme music is kicked in and yeah. it's playing over the top of it. And it's just Schwarzenegger looking really confused and an alien yeah. going through a whiteboard and pointing yeah. and going like this. I like the idea that in order to make sure everything's clearly explained, you're issued with a pamphlet when you go into the cinema that just explains the plot. Yeah. Um, it's bullet points. Yeah. Um, the real world. If it wasn't for the real world, none of us would exist. So the real world must stay because yeah. if people don't go to the cinema or affiliated restaurants, yeah. then we as characters no longer exist. Brilliant. And then we cut to the real world and we cut to Stephen Burkhoff on top of the Empire State Building, kind of like Ghostbusters, like part of it's destroyed. Yeah, There's a big purple cloud behind a bit of lightning. Yeah. It's a giant fucking clan just chomping up buildings. Yeah. Um, is flying around with an army of bats. Yeah. Um, there's a Hollywood, he's got this Hollywood screenwriter just typing stuff into a typewriter, and what he types happens. Yeah. You know, I, I've fucking forgotten what we Freddy, <laughs> Freddy, Freddy Krueger's in there. Freddy Krueger's back out. Oh, aliens bursting out of people's chests. It's carnage. Yeah. Wicked Witch of the West flying around. Then Schwarzenegger suddenly goes, well, look, if this is all make-believe, right, and we're just crossing from genre to genre, then surely all we have to do is create our own reality and it will happen. So they get in a circle and they're all holding hands and they sing. Maybe the hot, maybe the Hobbit bear people had this funny song about uh, believing your future and it will appear, some kind of really, really grating, annoying song. Yeah. And they all sing it while rocking back and forward. And, and he looks at them and they're all friends now and they kind of like gold sparkles come off them and they appear in the real world in this chaos and immediately like one of the bears gets his face shot off with a laser. Uh, Reagan just starts joining in with the monsters and it all goes to shit. Yeah. Schwarzenegger is like I've well alright I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write some shit and he gets the typewriter out and he makes himself a suit of armour yeah, a bit like Robocop. Or, or he says, ah, actually, have some of this. And he types on the typewriter. And he basically, different versions of himself come out of portals. Mm. So he's got the Terminator. He's got Dutch and Predator. He's got John Matrix. Yeah, he's just got all different um, genre-based versions of himself. And he's like, right. And they all look at each other and go, right. And they've all got their kind of weaponry from the films. And basically, just Lord Schwarzenegger's going to war with all these characters. Dutch fights the alien then, because yeah. he's got prior experience. Yeah. I think the T-800 would take on the Sauron. No, I think uh, Sauron would be Conan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Conan fights Sauron, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then the T-800, I think, takes on Freddy Krueger, because he can't... He's got yeah. no nightmares. While Jack Slater... He's climbing up the side of the building. Yeah. 
Uh, and we get little snippets of Harry Rankquest fighting someone like a James Bond villain. Yeah. And Danko fighting, I don't know, Sven Thorson. Just for the shits and giggles and all that kind oh, of he's, stuff. Oh, he's just got Jim Belushi the headlock. There's no, there's, there's no like, he's like, what's this? Why is that? Yeah. In? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Slater is on top of the building, and it's him and Burkhoff in a fight to the death. Yeah. Burkhoff's got a large ornate dagger, and then he sees the guy typing. He pulls out a gun and goes, "Hey, Poindexter or Four Eyes or something like that." Yeah. Uh, I've got some script notes for you. And he just shoots the typewriter and it explodes. Yeah. As if it's got petrol in it. Yeah. Um, and then that's when all the shit starts to go, like vanish back into its portals. He pun- then, it, then he goes to uh, Burkov. Uh, he wants to start up a farm. He goes, well, and he goes, well, here's a couple of acres. And he kicks him in the nuts, but off the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah, brilliant. And he falls, blue screenshot in like... Um, uh, Hans Gruber yep. into the distance and then he gradually dematerializes back into his own world it's next day in the police precinct shouty captain John, in there yeah and John practice is like what did you get up to at the weekend he goes well I said I traveled I saw a bit of the world um and I'm happy where I am and he turns the camera and winks and then he turns into a uh, into a still photograph and as we pull back it's a photograph on the wall of planet Hollywood amazing yeah and we find out the entire two hours has just been an advert for Planet Hollywood. It's even got like the phone number yep. you can ring to book your table. And it cuts out and then we just kind of, the, the, the lights that go down and it's people, you can see people out having their dinners and Phil Collins and Tina Turner come out and basically they do the theme song, which is called Stardust uh, in brackets, You Can Bang My Drum, exclamation mark. And yep. it's Collins, he's still got his bear outfit on. Um, and it's got Freddy Krueger in the background, Bob Hoskins, and they're all doing the shit dance move. Yeah. Tina Turner's back in her post-apocalyptic kind of... Like, if Jean-Paul Gaultier made a post-apocalyptic range, she's wearing that. Yeah, absolutely. And there we go. And there's that movie. That's already better than Last Action Hero. All day long. All day long. It's everything you want. I don't think it's any less classy, really. No. No, God, no. You get Shane Black to write it. Yeah. Right? You'd, all right, there might be some rights issues. I We haven't done our legal research because you were too busy looking up uh, ancient tomes. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure we, you know, a little bit of money, backhanders to what, the right what people. What we've done is for each genre-based section, we've just got a different writer. So tonally, it's completely different. So each set, each literally each scene, they've got yeah. a different genre. It's so go- different from the last. I'm going to go one further, just to make it an even more troubleshoot. Each genre is produced by a different studio. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Different director, yeah. different writers, yeah. different studio. Yeah, shot on different different film stock as well. So it looks yeah. <laughs> and it's released. You can't see the film in one go. You wait, like, <laughs> you see it in 20 minutes. Like, you go and see it for 20 minutes, and then you have to go to a different cinema chain yeah. to see it. <laughs> And if you don't get it in the right order, it doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. Yeah, you have brilliant. to buy six VHS yeah. to watch the film in the right sequence. And even now to this day, Netflix show half of it, Amazon have got half of it, Disney Plus have got a bit of it. So you've got to subscribe to all three to actually watch the film. There's, there's one, one of the companies was, was something like um, Canon, 
or um, someone like that who went bust and they've never sold the film. So it's never had a re-release. So one of the segments just doesn't exist anymore. It's just not, Brilliant. never had a physical media release since its original VHS. Brilliant. Um, Basically, what, one scene is just a series of storyboards. <laughs> like, yeah. If we edit it together, we just like, um, like a storyboard sequence. Yeah. Well, no, it's animatic. <laughs> it just stops. It's an animatic sequence. One of them is just Rodney Dagerfield explaining and trying to reenact what happened. A couple of the segments have been released fully uncut, but there's one that's just still the TV edit, and yeah. that's the horror scene one. Mm-hmm. So all of Reagan's stuff is just is just dubbed with non swear words. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an absolute absolute mess. Yeah. Basically bankrupted at least two studios. Oh, at least. And some audience members. And yeah. the promotion for it, because the promotion for Last Act Me was famous for its ridiculousness. So, like, having the inflatable Schwarzenegger, apparently it's the first film to put its name on the side of a rocket. So we've gone further. So we've um, we've laser-carved the name of the film onto the moon. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got in massive trouble for it, though, because we didn't ask anyone's permission to do it. We just did we, it. We performed plastic surgery... Uh, at a kind of skeletal level on a bunch of people so they they their bodies take the shape of different letters of the title yep. with without their consent yep yep <laughs> during the oj chase we had a car drive up next to the bronco lean out and slap a sticker on the side of it before yep. spinning out and crashing um we re-bleached the coral reef and the great barrier reef yeah spell out the name of the film and basically yeah. just ruined you know uh, the, the ecosystem for 100 years the toys were all made by different companies none of them interact none of them fit um yeah. the video game again by level each but being the 90s like level one was mega drive level two was snares <laughs> level three was commodore 64 so you had to buy every platform yeah to play one game and none of it was worth it because there was basically just old video games with a new loading screen and they'd replace the character with someone who looked vaguely like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. So one one level you get, this is Pac-Man, but with Arnold Schwarzenegger's face instead of Pac-Man. Um, yep. we, just... uh, we, we released the uh, Spunk robot toy as a Christmas toy, but no one ever bought it because it was just shit. Well, it was a and fire that... hazard and it... it... And we, we had to bury a lot of them in the desert. Yeah. And... Um, and they've got a half life of a thousand years. You can't go near yeah. that part of the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and space. Yeah. <laughs> um, it created Area Fifty One. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it broke up the Beatles. Yeah. It 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 was so bad. It went back in time and made terrible things happen. <laughs> yeah. It was a PR nightmare. I can tell you that. <laughs> we ended up having to go on Arsenio and explain ourselves. It was really difficult. Really difficult. Um, we actually opened up a portal on the premiere evening, and uh, Dracula yeah. and Hitler popped out. So we had to sort them out as well. Yeah. We briefed them. We told them what they had to say, and to, but they just didn't listen. No, they didn't. You know, Dracula never listens. Justice, justice, justice. I want to cast as it's the end of season one. I want to kind of. End chapter one of mm. Justice 101. Yes. Uh, not thinking specifically about Last Action Hero, but it's the culminative sum of our knowledge from doing these 30 episodes. Yeah. 
what is your ultimate nugget of knowledge? What what have you learned? What would you want to see if you were going to go? You know what? I'm going out into the world. I want to seek justice. What's the what's the main bit of advice you think you've learned um, that the people out there would need? I think. Well, I think really, you know, if we did it in bullet points, buy a gyrocopter. Obviously, look sexy. Don't yeah. li- don't listen to anyone in authority. No, I'm going to add um, the law inverted commas i did a little inverted commas thing is for chumps yeah um get yourself a, mo- a mobile <laughs> yeah with your s- and a-, a mantra or slogan yep turn into a cgi dragon yep and yes get, get yourself a mandroid oh a mandroid <laughs> get yourself a mandroid <laughs> got to the mandroid yeah uh, I think that's your that's your and obviously we haven't explicitly mentioned this, and I think this is our new entries that you've got to take all that stuff, and you've got to have it somewhere. You've got to have your base of operations. Oh, also right. Not. Now I'm not going to be as silly as to say you need a back cave, right? But uh, where have you list some of the places you've operated out of? Um, <laughs> so mountain top, mountain yep. side. Yeah. Uh, beach villa. Um, you only operated at the mountainside because you got stuck climbing up the mountain. <laughs> yeah, it was. It wasn't really a base of operations. You were huddled in a in a tiny cave yeah. while your leg was being gnawed on by a bear. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But again, you know, it was my base of operations for a while. You do. You, know? you work with what you got. Yep. Um, uh, outside um, uh, a lady's house. That Frey Bentos factory. Yeah numerous times that, that hammock again i'll grant you i got stuck in that <laughs> yeah um yeah. volcano and i can what about, you? What about you oh nudist camp um uh out the back of a in motion caravan i also the Frey bentos factory a clown's basement uh i did i did operate out of a cave the skull like a phantom style skull cave which was pretty cool um and then to lesser effect a pelvis shaped cave which had a different connotations um and obviously a strip joint didn't you go to space or was that prison that was that was a space strip joint okay do you remember the world's first space strip joint that's right yeah yeah with all the pole floaters (laughs) they start at the bottom and go up it was it didn't quite work Um, didn't that there's in that where coronavirus started they, they figured out well I've been trying to keep that on the on the lowdown because you know I've got enough heat as it is. Oh, those asses and eating bats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the it was a weird menu. I think someone saw it was in space and just got carried away. But anyway, that's that's all in the past. Let's bygones be bygones. Um, it's been a pleasure spending the last thirty episodes, which I think accumulates about seventy hours. Um, <laughs> of with both my partner in crime mr richard visage um oui, oui. Uh, yeah and i've been uh dominic diplom and you for those of you that are left if any have been a bit fucking quiet if i'm being honest mm. a bit rude, a bit rude. Yeah, very rude